Life Camera Action! We're shooting threes, just SMB. We're gonna watch and review film trilogies. It's all for laughs, so just sit back. We're gonna drop hella dimes on this podcast. Welcome to Shooting Threes. We've got a brand new trilogy we're so excited to talk about. I am your co-host, Sarah Griffith. And I am your other co-host, Bridget Greenberg. And we are here to talk about the cutest, the sweetest little film, the funniest little boy in all of DreamWorks history, the goodest boy. So sweet. We, of course, are talking about How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon. I like to pride ourselves on on assuming that no one sees our picks coming. I know, it's always a surprise, but the name of the episode is going to be Shooting Threes, colon, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, no, they, I mean, <laughs> like, you guys quite saw literally it, but did you see it coming? Did you see it coming before? I don't think you did. No way. I don't think, when we talk about trilogies, I don't think animation comes to the front of many people's minds. And quite frankly, are there many animated well, trilogies. There, there was Toy Story 3 for a little while, but then that's continued. When there um, was Shrek 3 for a while, but they had to do the fourth one. Yeah. Uh animation, you know, they they keep them coming. There's no like I don't I think this is one of the few that I can think of off the top of my head. Real Actually trilogies. Yeah, Monsters compared to Inc. their live compared to like a Monsters live Inc. Well, yeah, I guess Monsters Inc. Oh, they have the college, but they don't have a third one. They go to college. There's a regular. I think that's it. I think that's it. You know, I will say, though, um, compared to their live action counterparts, are there many animated franchises, really? Um, Like a lot of them will have a sequel. I feel I like think- we're going to throughout the duration of this podcast uh and certainly in the comments we're gonna hear so many mm. or i'm gonna think of so many but uh yeah hmm well i mean disney went through that phase where everything had to have that straight to vhs sequel right exactly uh i mean for lion better king, and for worse yeah lion king one and a half is incredible i honest i honestly think that is where disney really solidified like the origin of the disney adult mostly millennial because it was like nonstop Disney content they were churning out back in those days. Right. You Michael Eisner. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't escape it. If you loved a character, you're going to keep getting inundated with it. Um, and now that's kind of just the way. Yeah. That's how you build a universe. But let's talk about this one. Let's talk about DreamWorks Sarah Catherine Griffith. Yes, that's SKG. what that stands for. Yeah. Of course. Um, um, yeah, so... Uh, what what start- are your... What what is your um history with these movies? Have you seen all of them? I you know what's weird? I saw the second one because my roommate had it on in college, but mm-hmm. that's it. I, there were scenes in this movie that I was like, I've seen this before, so it's kind of one of those things oh, you- where like maybe it's been on and I've seen it in the background. That's really interesting that you've never seen this one. I've seen this one. I'm pretty sure, like you, have seen parts of the second one, and I definitely haven't seen the third. I really liked this movie, and I just, for some reason, never got around to seeing the sequels. In college, one of our first editing assignments was to re-edit this trailer. Oh. Um, 
and try to do it in a different genre. I don't remember That's what fun. I did. Yeah, which was really fun. So I also watched that movie again. And I've watched this movie a couple times for that reason. Oh, wow. I don't remember this... what I did. Don't ask me. Uh, I'm not okay. a good editor. Uh, and so it wasn't that great. It was passable. Uh, hmm. Well, this is based on the book series. Were you familiar with the books? Did you read the books? I had no idea these were books until I was reading the IMDb page for this movie. Really? No idea. It makes total sense now because there's such a universe. The dragon lore is so fleshed out and what each dragon is. Totally. I think if you asked me, I probably could have guessed, but I did not think about it. And uh, only learned it just now, moments ago. Yeah, I I vaguely remember encountering the title of this book, like, in and out of elementary school. Yeah, maybe, yeah. You know, it's like Blue Ribbon books or, like, books that are popular with kids. That sounds familiar, but I feel like when we were growing up, there was, like, a boon of, like, books that kids are really reading. Like, of course, Capitalized Bones by Harry Potter, a series of unfortunate events, like, that whole era. Um, But I remember these books kind of being being in the mix, uh, I did a little bit of background on the books, and I was quite surprised that the source material of this film, first of all, is the second book in Mm. the series, and what this book extrapolate, what the film extrapolates from the book is actually, I would maybe describe as wildly different from the book. Yeah, I mean, IMDb calls it a uh, loose adaptation. And it is loose. I think they, from what I gather, and tell me if I'm wrong, is it they mostly take like the lore of Burke and Vikings and the lore of the dragons and kind of create this character of Hiccup. Yes. And if I recall correctly, I think I do remember seeing these books and they were quite small. They were just yeah. like I think little things. Yeah. Uh, I It almost feels like they were actually like fake cutesy guides of how to totally. train a dragon. And I, right. oh my God, I loved those kinds of books growing up. Jesus Christ. Um, But the first book was released, I think in 2001 and it was mostly about Hiccup. There was no dragon whatsoever. Oh, okay. um, and then the book, How to Train Your Dragon, really is about training dragons. Um, okay, that's whole cute. Yeah. story of that's like, cute. they it, kill it makes the sense. dragons. Yeah. yeah. It, it may, that's very cute. It would not have caught my attention as a child, so it makes sense that... It's it's uh, a little boy yeah. book. Let's We can say that, I think. Sure, it's a, it's but a, yeah, I, I, think, I think I needed more of a story than a how-to guide on how to train my fictional dragon. Totally agree. So before we get into the thick of this, I do want to say that I wa- I found like this kind of weird, about an hour long, like making of documentary. That's what I said. Like I'm doing huh. some last minute cramming because I was watching this thing. I mean, it kind of in and out of it. There they, was some yeah, of the stuff they always that, have those for animation movies, I feel like. Uh, but what was actually kind of notable about this documentary is that it starts with the filmmakers very meta talking about yeah, we started to film ourselves making this movie just as a joke because everyone does this, as you just said. <laughs> yeah. And the documentary actually starts like towards the end of the filmmaking process and the and the filmmakers explain, but then as we started like film this behind the scenes stuff, we actually did find us we were like literally filming us in real time breaking the story of this film. So we started yeah. to get more serious about archiving these, I, I think it's like it kind of features like the last six months of the filmmaking process. Okay. And um, I did extrapolate some interesting tidbits that I will drop in as we 
talk about this. It's literally just, I, I, yeah, I just Googled, I went on YouTube, how to train your dragon behind the scenes and it came up. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes if anybody else is curious about this, but, um, it was, it was, I, it was very interesting. I'm glad I checked it out. Uh, but let's dive into the motion picture. I, I really respect this movie. I think also it was a movie. I, I mentioned the the editing project I had in film school with it. It was a movie. I also went to school right as this movie came out. And film yeah. schools, especially if you're in school to study writing, they love to talk about. Uh, and as you're studying story, they love to talk about animation stories, and this was a big one that we talked about mm. a lot, just because it is such a. Um, a succinct storyline truly uh it really is like a very just well told simple story and it's yeah it it's done so well and what can you say fathers and sons boys and their pets uh coming of age it has it all yeah so as i mentioned the documentary picks up with where they're really breaking the story and so it starts with that father son relationship yeah. Basically, the filmmakers are explaining, like, we've been so deep into, I totally related to this mm-hmm. writing-wise, like, we're so deep in the weeds of, like, Norse mythology, Vikings, dragons, the mechanics of the story that, like, we don't actually have anything emotionally going on. And um, Katzenberg made wrote a note at the end of the s- script, and they show it on camera. It's pretty funny. There's that line, that stoic, the father tells Hiccup at the end of the movie, like, I am proud that you are my son. Yeah. Katzenberg writes, nice ending. Just missing the story that gets us here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really funny. So, and it's also funny. The documentary starts with like, oh, my God, we forgot that this is a father-son son story, story. So we I need mean, to that, go back to that. That makes sense because all, I mean, to me, because it sounds like most of the the book they were working off of uh, was more of the world building. Totally. And it's a very strong world, and I think that's, like, a boon to how the story is told. Like, you get that mm. opening scene of, this is Burke, here's everything that's going on, here's very detailed descriptions of the dragons they deal with, um, and the problems they have, and then you're immediately dropped in the story about this uh, scrawny little Viking trying to get the approval of his father, but also uh, is is not, doesn't fit in, uh, which is a classic Disney story. Um, Yeah, so we could just jump in. I mean, like you just said, we start with this narration of, you know, this is where we are, this is what we do, etc. We start with this, like, really intense Viking versus dragon battle. Uh, The action in this movie is great. I was a little caught up. I was a little caught up in my 2022 vision of animation where humans now and, like, Pixar has certainly made humans, like, ultra realistic and me used to that so i got oh yes i got a little caught up and like they do look like video game characters my my first note i wrote down was animation has gotten so much better so and much, yet this is still stunning still a b- beautiful movie i also still I noticed, holds up incredibly yeah still holds up incredibly is not like the at least for the human characters is not what we expect from like a Pixar anymore as much. But I also think like the, the images they were trying to convey are so strong. And then again, the story is so good and so Mm. well told and like take in the pacing is right on point that 
you're so wrapped up in the story that I, you know, there are little moments where I was like, is this not good? And then I like stepped back and was like, no, this is actually really, really great. Yeah, uh, I was bitching and moaning about having to shell out four bucks to rent this on Apple TV, but oh I was God. able to rent the 4K version. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely it's uh stunning. Yeah, there are just some like images. Like le- we can forget about the mechanics of like how realistic the animation looks, but some of those flying sequences are straight up paintings. Uh I also noticed it while the end credits were playing. Uh, that Roger Deakins was a I visual was just consultant. About to say, yeah, yes. he's a visual and consultant, this, and and this good is for a big him. part of the yeah, yeah. This is a big part of the documentary. They said the two areas that they wanted more feedback on was lighting, which so, you can really yeah. see in the yes. scene where Stoic is talking to Hiccup about, you know, oh, you know, I you are this great Viking. I had no idea. It's this evening scene. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it's Be- the I candlelight wanna, stuff, like when they're in the yeah, halls. Yeah, I want to say yeah. it's naturally lit, but it's not literally oh. naturally lit. Yeah, well, it not appears literally, but like, like that's yeah. yeah that it's the it's the light from the candle, and then of course the other thing was they wanted to talk to someone about the camera moves, and they just like shot their shot with Roger Deakins, and he was like, "I love the story. I'm in," and actually like gave much more of his time than they previously anticipated and that shows i yeah i feel like for um someone like deacons or just someone who does you know who doesn't do animation that often i mean maybe i'm wrong about that i'm just not familiar with deacons uh animation work but i feel like it's got to be so much fun because you literally like sky is true there is no limit yeah uh, with the effects you can tell with animation that's why animation is such a big thing that we studied and like when we when i started my screenwriting program is because you don't have to worry about what Mm. the camera is capturing and the like limitations of physical reality you can tell your story through images and not dialogue like completely you can make up what those images are and as comedy writers i just think writing comedy and animation what a joy like you could be as big the gag could be as big as you need it to be i mean right. ugh, what a what a treat uh yeah truly but yeah that that first dragon fighting scene is awesome uh you're you're going you're tracking through burke and you have all these big vikings uh like throwing cannons and fighting dragons who have all these different kinds of attacking styles uh and you see little hiccup just excited and running through the town yeah, he's not necessarily part of the action. I did write down a line um, that Craig, the Craig Ferguson Viking, I didn't even, a Gobbler, what was his name? Uh, yeah, Gobber or Goober. Go- Gobber. I, he's the Craig Ferguson Viking. First of all, yeah. you know Craig Ferguson loves doing this shit. Oh, my God. Oh, you, yeah. Oh, he loves it. And also um, he gets to play a big Scottish brute. Of course. That's what he is. Exactly. Uh, he says to Hiccup, you know, it's, it. hey, cheer up. Your dad doesn't hate you because of the way you look. It's what's on the inside that he can't stand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one, I I love these, especially in children's movies, having just like gruff Viking nature. Like no one is soft with Hiccup. Yeah. Uh, yes. He has a complex because everybody is straight up like you are scrawny. No yeah. one wants you here because well, you are little. The stoic to hiccup ratio is like they're he two is the only skinny species. kid. Yes. Yeah. Uh stoic I read is uh if you put him to scale seven two. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's that a, makes a lot of sense. He's an NBA center and like an anomaly of one. Yeah, seriously. Uh, he's two inches taller than like, or an inch taller than probably the tallest NBA center. Well, you would know. Uh, and he's big. He's a big dude. <laughs> and also his name's so, Stoic, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, just go for it. Um, yeah. So in this opening sequence, we see Hiccup actually does take down a dragon with yeah. a ballus. The, the most elusive dragon, the Night Fury. No one can see him because they're so fast. And so cute. And but no we'll one, get to that. And no one knows how cute they are. Nobody knows because they've never seen one so They've cute. never seen one, and that's why they're afraid if they knew how cute they were. They're only fighting the ugly dragons. Who if end up only... being cute once you get to know them, but... There's no way you see. They're not. They're not right. They're not cute right out of the gate. Like toothless. No, there's you, no way you, you look see at toothless, toothless and you're like, and you're that like... is a cute dragon. Yes. Yeah. There's no. I mean, he was apparently based. The uh, the directors also did Lilo and Stitch. Apparently, yes. something about his face shape is based on Stitch. Well, I also read. Uh, well, in the documentary, they literally showed footage of um, a Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh right I read that too that there was like it was going to be kitty. based on something else but then someone's screensaver was a Black Panther and they wow. started uh, yeah just uh, basing him off that okay, bef Stitch. okay before we yeah. talk about how cute Toothless is we which have will to be most of this podcast yeah okay just moving through the fucking thick of it right so Hick yeah. like I caught a dragon everyone's like no you didn't um, Stoic is like Dude, you're my son, but like, you don't got the dog in you. You're not going to be this great Viking, whatever. The next day. But really, oh, I, he's just afraid of Hiccup getting hurt. Yeah. Um, I did write down, I'm not sure if this is exactly a line that comes up sequentially, but um, at one at a one point, like Hiccup is talking about like, you know, well, maybe the dragons, like maybe they are good or something like that. And somebody says, you need to figure out what side you're on. And there's a few times in the movie where they suggest that Hiccup sides more with dragons and human beings, which, like, I guess I understand the sentiment, but it is a little bit funny to think that, like, you are against all humans in our eyes. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. like, the PETA of... And by PETA, I mean, like, the people for the ethical treatment of animals. Like, he is the one that's like, well, you know, dragons, they experience pain and grief just like humans do. Like, they're actually very smart animals. You know what I mean? Like, people do that for cows and pigs. Sure, yeah. I mean, these Vikings are uh, dummies. Brutes. If that's what, if that's what they think, they're like, oh, he's gonna go join the. Dr I mean, they they do have a point because I was gonna get into this a little later, but these dragons are highly intelligent. Uh, they make it seem yeah. like Hiccup is gonna go join the dragons instead. Like there's a dragon army instead of there just being animals. But yeah, no, Hiccup wants to prove himself, and I yeah, they're just a uh, poor guy. He's just so misunderstood by these Vikings. So in an effort to prove himself, he goes into the woods hunting to find the dragon that he definitely took down. And lo and behold, yeah, he, he, he downed him. He didn't get him in that initial opening sequence, but he definitely like downed him. Yeah. Um, and he finds our cute little kitty cat uh, all tied up in the woods. And he's he's been knocked out. He's sleeping. He's he's really sad and hurt and oh god I sent you a video and a video I think we probably have to post of me watching it with my tiny dragon little Bruce just cuddling into me and watching this movie and looking at Toothless and I was like it's us buddy it's you and it's me the, 
It's the eyes. It's the eyes and the, the fact eyes. that he doesn't really have much of a chin. He has <laughs> so no, he looks well, like a little silly. Yeah, that's the stitch expression is the like no chin, totally. just mouth. Totally. That, that's what, I was like, I, I read that and I did see it. And then I looked up pictures of stitch and I was like, that's the part. It's how the mouth just is the chin. Yes. <laughs> that is stitch like. And it's very, and he has that like, yeah, very expressive eyes, a cute little like salamandery head. Hmm. And uh, yeah, just like the biggest expression, like this uh, this goofy little smile. I love him so much. And since we're talking about um, character design for Toothless, so in the book, the Toothless Dragon is actually like Mushu size, like small. Right. That's what I heard. And then they wanted him to fly on him. Yes. Uh, and I think that was the right move because I think he's that- still cute. He can be big and cute. Yes, yeah, I like that he is big and cute. I like that he can uh, be written and it gives him a little more agency as a character. I feel yes. like if he was small, it would definitely be like more about Hiccup and his little sidekick. I like the dragon wouldn't be empowering to Hiccup if it was small. And he's more of a threat when he's bigger. So the yes. stakes are actually pretty high in these initial two first scenes with Hiccup where the first time he encounters Toothless, he can't bring himself to kill the animal, so he lets it go. Yeah. Uh, and there's kind of like a near-miss moment where Toothless charges at him and then flies, tries to fly away. Uh, right. They, and, and yeah, if it was small, then like, what's the, what's the threat? Who cares? Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes totally, he needs to, he needs to be big. Um, and yeah, they both like see the humanity in each other, which goes to my thinking that these dragons are very smart and should be like as smart as human beings really, if not smarter if not yeah. smarter because i wrote in my notes that more than toothless uh more than a hiccup training toothless toothless really does train hiccup more than anything yeah uh he gets hiccup immediately to like figure out his wants and needs mm-hmm. can communicate with hiccup better than hiccup can communicate with the dragon very true and then even in the drawing scene that like hiccup yes that toothless recognized that hiccup was drawing him and then tried to draw him as well like used a tool immediately like figured out what was going on these dragons are training the humans yeah that moment was actually brought up in the documentary as like you know we have to not only is, I mean, the obvious, like, relationship establishment right. in that moment, but also, like, what is Toothless capable of? Who is Toothless? Yeah. Because we also do need to know, like, Toothless is a character. We need to know what his little personality traits and quirks are other than being such a cute little kitty cat. Yeah, no, he has very, and I think that's what makes this relationship so dynamic, is that Toothless has very clear wants and needs that he is showing hiccup and Mm -hmm. like he is like their relationship is a conduit to like i mean obviously this is a plot of the story of uh how to get these people to team up and it's really like toothless is is doing most of the work (laughs) yeah actually that's a good point he's uh, um yeah like hiccup is just like kind of going along with it like oh this is cool this dragon's communicating with me more than like oh i'm communicating with it it just kind of likes me because I'm gentle. Yeah, and Toothless can really see a need, uh, like the end goal of like 
Yeah. I need to learn how to fly. You may, might be able to help me. Um, so as we have, this isn't going to necessarily be a plot for plot beat. It's only no. an hour and a half long. Watch the movie. I mean, what the hell? It, it is. Yeah. I mean, the, the story is, again, I can't say it enough. And like, it's a really, it's a credit to the movie, but very simple. We get, mm-hmm. um, from there, we kind of see Hiccup going back and forth, trying to like, when he finds Toothless, he sees that like half of his tail he hit half of his tail. That's why he can't fly. So he's like kind of down. And what they say, a down dragon is a dead dragon. Is it? Yeah. So he's kind of just stuck in this valley. Um, and they have this moment where they kind of like see each other, recognize each other, choose not to hurt the other, like see yes. the other's humanity and, and go back. And, and yeah, now Hiccup is kind of, uh, like interested and enamored with this dragon which like why wouldn't you be you found a cool pet in the woods absolutely uh very much like et you're gonna take care of like it didn't kill you and it was showed some sort of kindness to you but at the same time you know he goes back to his viking culture and they're like you're gonna learn how to kill dragons if you're gonna be this big of a pest about it you're getting you're getting what you wanted yeah so I was just about to transition to that. So we have this storyline of Toothless and Hiccup working together. Meanwhile, Hiccup, juxtaposed, in the village, this Viking village, um, he's being taught how to kill these dragons. He's got this additional pressure from his father who wants him to learn how to kill these dragons. Um, Again, this is where we talk about the father-son story. It's like... Right. You got to be a real Viking. You got to fit in. Right. You You got to be my son. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not chasing. I'm not following my dreams. I'm following yours or whatever that. Right, and this is like at the is. beginning when we meet Hiccup. This is uh, what it seems like he wants. He wants to fit in with. Yes, the, he, he wants, wants to, to be, be a part Viking. Of fight. He yeah. wants to get in there. Yes, and now now he's met the other side, and he's a little apprehensive, but you know he still wants to make his father proud. Um, so he is unwillingly, unwillingly. Un- I'm not. Not the word. Unwittingly. 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 Yeah. He now has to go to Dragon Kill Dragon Academy, which, okay, I don't mean to be like, about this or whatever, but the good people of Burke, if you are capable of capturing a dragon and keeping it alive for the purposes of this training stuff, ain't that the first indicator to these village idiots that, hey, maybe there's like more to the relationship between vikings and dragons that meets well, the eye you know what i mean well, like they're, they're they're treating them like uh like i mean the uh, abused animals they're, they're not treating them like things that under that have empathy or care they're treating them like you know dangerous wild but animals does... and they're like abuse they're keeping them in cages and like treating them badly i don't know i would just say the evidence of the fact that they could capture these animals Probably should have tipped somebody off to like maybe. Yeah. Well, no one ever tried to, to be nice to them. They captured these animals and they're just being mean to them. They're just like used for training for their yeah, Viking their children brutes. to be killed. Yeah. They're like they are only captured so that little Vikings can kill them. And I will say, um, so these the character design of these dragons that we first see in the training group that looks closer to what the book depicts these dragons as. Sure. Yeah. I will say. Um, and they're very funny looking, and I understand why they have to look the way they look, but character design-wise, I feel like between the big bag dragon at the end of the film, sure. Toothless, and then this group of dragons, it's like 
these are radically different, different looking dragons. Yeah. Well, what also shot so they're going through dragon training school and uh with all the other kids who I do want to talk about. Uh, yes. And Toothless, you see Hiccup keeps going back to Toothless trying to teach him how to fly and at along the way Hiccup is picking up little things about dragons. So yes. he is kind of excelling at dragon killing school not by killing dragons but by knowing how to like lure them back into cages which begs He's the question Andrew Garfield pacifist World War II film sure yeah uh but which begs the question which I think it, this is the part of the world building that breaks to me all dragons have the same traits like they all don't like eels they all yes. will follow the light like these are all different species of dragons every single like they not all dragons are the same. It's not a monolith. We spent a whole scene explaining how they're different. Right. The same tricks work. That's one part of the, that's like one of the And, few, and there's, there's a I'm book nitpicking. and there's a, yeah. uh, there's, 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 a, there's book. a guide within the guide. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess he's just like learning all these tips and tricks that work for Night Furies and therefore work for all other. I like the, I like the part where Toothless was rolling around in the grass. <laughs> I do too. You and too. then he took the grass and he pet. And when he pet him underneath the chin, he falls asleep. Yeah. Oh, God. He's so cute. I want a little toothless. I remember when I first saw this movie, too, I watched it with uh, my dog, LeBron James, who got a bunch of teeth pulled. So he was my little toothless. He was toothless. Um, But yeah, let's. I I do want to talk about the kids in Dragon Training School. Uh, And what a cast of. uh, Yeah. They really. Like, what a voice cast. I mean, this is like the. We're like in the super bad era, like this kind of like heyday of studio right. comedy. 2011, yeah, Judd Apatow uh, school, and he gets all of those people. Uh, we have the the two uh, dumb, gross twins. Uh, yes, uh, we have his love interest Astrid, um, and then we have who are Jonah Hill's character, who. Puberty is hitting that kid like a ton of fucking bricks. He is 23 years old. He Well, I would say he is firmly 14 because he just is either aggro as hell or horny as fuck. <laughs> like, he just has those two things. And I was like, oh, this poor kid is just getting Going hit with it. hormones. Just, yes. is just hormones because he is either hitting on a girl on Astrid in like this dumb spinning fourteen year old boy way, where he's just like, everything, right, everything is beautiful, dirt looks great on you, uh, or he is like, let's go fucking kill something. This boy is just a ball of hormones. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I love these side characters. They're so great. Uh, something that the documentary brings up is that they actually did like group recording sessions. Oh so yeah. So there was like real riffing and real playing off of each other. I actually thought that was so bold just from like a recording standpoint that there would be times where actors were actually like talking on top of each other. Yeah. So you couldn't separate their voices in the recording. And so they animated with it, which is like, of course a natural way to speak, but I just thought, wow, that is so brave to just commit. Like these two characters are going to be talking at the same time. And we're going to record these actors. The twins. Yeah. uh, Which by the way, uh, this might be like a silly thing to say because she has such a, huge resume in voice acting Kristen Wiig I think is a really underrated voice actor um, oh yeah I did I did not immediately recognize her voice no then, her voice does doc- not sound like her 
no, no, no. And in the documentary, like you could see her playing that character, and it's like, wow, I cannot believe this noise is coming out of your mouth. Yeah, she does transform. I always forget. I was like, Kristen Wiig isn't Astrid, and then I remember she's the the, the girl twin. Rough yeah, nut. <laughs> rough nut, tough nut, and rough nut. Yes, the names Which, in this are the very names. fun. The names, the names. Like, I'm looking at the IMDb page. We have Hiccup and Stoic. Um, Christmas Foss character, Fish Legs, Goober, Astrid, Snot Lout, Tough Nut, Rough Nut, uh, Ack, Stark Ard. Yeah, just okay. In, in, just <laughs> okay. Flemma the Fierce. Okay, is the big dragon. Okay. Okay. Speaking of voices, um. There's like the little dragons. They're called oh. the terrible terrors. Oh. Um, those were those uh, dragons were actually all voiced by a Chihuahua named Paco. Paco. The filmmakers found a YouTube video, like an early, early viral YouTube video, sure. in like 2009, of this Chihuahua making these crazy like <laughs> sounds, and they reached out to the owner. They paid him a hundred dollars, and they just took the Chihuahua's voice you know growling and snarling and stuff and that's what those little guys are let me tell you uh paco you could have asked for more as someone who has paid animals you gotta get up your rate uh animals typically get paid a lot more than that paco you got well uh, in this movie grossed like 500 billion dollars so paco, like damn you really you need an agent uh, yeah, really needed a better contract. It's those on early that one. early days. A uh, hundred dollars for a, a dog, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so it is weird. We're... You do have to pay the animal as well as a trainer, which is the most mind-boggling thing. Well, I hope they got a lot of bones. About a hundred of them. Yep. Um, hey. So the movie's progressing along. Uh, so they're, they're doing this dragon training. He's excelling by right. not killing the dragons, by being a pacifist, a lover, not a fighter. Which you think would have, like, flagged the class, too. Like, that's not the point of the class. I was actually kind of waiting for the scene where someone was going to say, but I guess it's like, if he could subdue them, he could kill them. Which right. is definitely in the final test. Like, that was what he was supposed to do. Yeah, like, no, that, that was kind of like the big... Uh, deal was if you finish the top of the class, you get to kill the dragon at the end. Back to my point about like, well, if you can keep these dragons captive, then like, why do you gotta kill? Are they eating the dragons? No, no. So the, are they even? I mean, I don't know. Like that would be smart. I think they're just keeping them for training purposes, I guess, or learning. Per I mean, they don't seem to be very. It's just interesting that yeah, you know, I, I, some I of them. I think they're they're just keeping them for training, is what it seems well, like to me for this dragon school for the six kids that are on the island. Sure, I just mean to say, if we're talking about flag moments where the villager should have been like, maybe we shouldn't be killing these dragons at a genocidical level. Uh, if we can capture them and this kid can subdue them, do they really have to die? But they're bloodthirsty Vikings, so of course they're they have to die. They're bloodthirsty Vikings. Uh, and yeah, they're they're eating all their livestock, these dragons. And there is that issue, right. So uh, just moving forward, uh, Astrid starts to catch on. That like, yeah. okay, this is weird. He's always rushing off to do his own thing. She's kind of the one that is starting to flag things as being unusual. Like, um, yeah. something's not adding up. 
She sees a hiccup wandering through the forest one day. It piques her curiosity. Um, Hiccup comes down to that little valley area to check in with Toothless. I think he realizes like the jig is up and he's like, oh, we got to get out of here because his father. um, Well, no, he was told he had to kill a dragon. Right. And he was like, I'm running away. I can't do this. And is this is this right after the scene where the dad was like, oh, finally, I was so afraid you were never going to be a Viking. But now I know you're a Viking. Yes. His dad is finally, uh, I guess, proud of him for the wrong reasons. So that scene was actually broken down really nicely in the documentary. Um, and uh, it was it was cool to see Gerard Butler specifically doing the lines. Like something they focused on specifically was, um, you know, two things. One, now we get to understand the father's point of view on Hiccup in this like whole thing. Yeah. Of like, oh, I was always afraid you were holding out on me and then I wasn't so sure. And it's like, wow. So this is how Stoic has thought of his son up until this moment, essentially. Yeah, no, he had a really, yeah, it's kind of, that relationship is kind of sad because it's, well, you it evolves at the end. You kind of see that it is one thing about the relationship. I wish they fleshed out a little bit more in the beginning is because at the end you see that like really stoic was just trying to protect his son from the dragons. He didn't want yeah. him to fight like he, he just he wanted him to be safe, but it because they lost like- the mother. Because they lost, yeah. Or have uh, they? So, so he was just trying to protect his family, but it does very much only read up until then as he thinks his son is scrawny and weak. Right. Uh, um, there's a line he says, uh, Odin, it was rough. And the filmmakers were saying, like, I don't even, like, we're kind of making, the, they say gods, you know, they're doing like these little right. in universe, like in yeah, lore Yeah, they're, they're figuring out tweaking dialogue, yeah. And it was Gerard Butler. They were like, you don't have to say that line. You know, we're not even sure how that plays. And Gerard Butler put his hands up like he was talking to Odin. Odin, it was rough, but we managed. Right. And it was like a, it was a moment of an actor performing something so perfectly. They just like frame for frame recreated what Gerard Butler did in the recording into the animated film. I love to see shit like that. But yeah, this is also, I mean, again, this moment is, you know, perfect. Just like a a tried and true storytelling beat that you go through with any, any screenplay where the, your hero hiccup, we've established that they want something. They want to kill a dragon and fit in with the Vikings right at the beginning. Uh, And then we get to a place where there's a new situation, new information is gathered they adapt to that and then they get what they w- want, but it turns out that's not actually what they want. Mm. The getting their want gets them into trouble. And that's yep. what, you know, leads us into our, our our main action here. So he thinks he gets what he wants. He's top of his class. He has a respect of his father, but he's made friends with this dragons and like literally said, we were completely wrong about you guys. Uh, yeah, doesn't want to kill this dragon, so he has to flee, but gets caught by Astrid, his, yes. his classmate, love interest. He convinces her; she's like ready to kill Toothless at the site, but convince, but like gets her on the dragon, takes her for a ride that kind of goes wrong, but then she sees they have this connection, and this is where we get kind of the like interesting second act turn, where and and before we like cross that bridge um the shot we're getting into this but like 
all of the things in the clouds, absolutely stunning. Oh my beautiful, God. harkens to a whole new world level of oh, just yeah. animators like putting it all on the screen. Unbelievable like, sequence. So gorgeous. That, that flight again, because you do get close ups of, of the human faces and you're like, I don't know about this. And then you see the large and then they back out and you see the larger image and you're like, No, this is pretty incredible. Twenty twenty two. The advancements in technology have just ruined my ability to enjoy stuff until they like zoom out of this movie. And I'm like, no, this is a beautiful image they've created. Well, the shot that I thought was absolutely stunning, like the shot of the film is toothless flying into that thick fog. And then slowly you start to see the other dragons appear as toothless flies closer and closer into this herd of dragons i mean that is sick like that is fucking incredible gorgeous i mean also when they like shoot up through the clouds when they're doing a little bit of a joy ride and it's like that pink uh like above the cloud yes absolutely beautiful and again uh i get the action the movement in it is so compelling that sometimes when i find myself in in scenes like that i like i can't you can check out depending on how good the action is. It's very easy to start yeah. blazing over in those moments if it's not well done. I think especially in animation where it doesn't feel like the stakes are that high. Mm. Um, but this one... It's so are, beautiful. It commands your attention. It, it's so beautiful. And like it's so, again, the the action itself, the the movement, the camera movement, the, the way the dragon is flying is all so compelling that yeah. you, it, it feels like a ride. Yes, it, it and there were multiple times like where I was like, "Wow, the video game like tie in, the book tie in, yeah. the, the ride tie in, like it's all there." It's so I mean, easy it, yeah, to put it reminded together. me of yeah when Harry was flying the broom for the first time in totally. Harry Potter. Like you're just you're you you feel that you're like, I want to do that. That yeah. looks fun. I'm in this. So uh, all the dragons are flying to this dragon nest that the Vikings have been looking for forever. And then this is where we get a little twist because the dragons are actually taking all the livestock to feed this like ultra mega dragon. Yeah. Uh, there turns out the dragons are a little community onto themselves and they're being terrorized by a yes. bigger monster. Uh so we see, like, yeah, the dragons aren't these, uh, again, the dragons are smarter than we think. They do have a community onto themselves. They have built a society. They're just being um, run by- Brutally this, hunted. Brutally hunted and, like, trying to appease this bigger dragon that if they don't feed, will feed on them, the yes. smaller dragons. So they're really not, you know, these bad, evil pests that can't be stopped from ruining this Viking village. Um, their their collective, uh, who is also having a struggle against a a brutal dictator dragon. Do you think these dragons are kind of like wolves and how he domesticated dogs? Where once the wolves learned that, like, hey, the human beings will give us food if we help them, team up yeah. with them. It's like we're both kind of meeting the same and a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> I don't and know. They're I, cute. Uh, and they're cute. And they're so cute. This movie, like, it is about fathers and sons, but it really is about pets. It is a movie. I, If you haven't watched it again, I highly recommend. Oh, you wa- gotta. Watching it again. Watching it again. And if you have a little buddy, have them next to you. Make sure they're watching with you because it will really make you want to cuddle them. Uh, 
yeah, it's uh, it's about teamwork. It's about these guys working together and uh, learning yes. to be friends and love Domesticating each other. dragons. Domesticating dragons. I mean, they also let them be free. They yes, let them do their course. own thing. Uh, but they yeah, it, it's, it, it's learning to work together and love each other, uh, except for the mean evil one. So fast forwarding a little bit plot wise, uh, Toothless and Astrid and Hiccup reconvene. Astrid is like, we need to tell people about this nest. Hiccup says we can't because they'll try to kill Toothless, which is correct. The yeah. next day is like the dragon the killing finals. dragon, yeah. <laughs> his um, his Hiccup, final exam that the whole yeah. town watches. Hiccup is successful in subduing a dragon. He really can't bring himself to kill the dragon. The dragon starts to fight back. Toothless develops like a hiccup sense and comes to the rescue, of course, but everybody sees it's a night fury. They try to kill him. Finally, hiccups. Whole oh, that shit scene is went, apart. Yeah. That scene when toothless gets his like weird hiccup sense, his spidey sense and tries to get out of the valley, mm. like pawing his way out of his, out of that real rock wall. Oh, my heart, my heart really wrenched in that moment. Yeah, and then he was trying to help, but then they put they they captured him. They got him, him. they got him, but then they capture him, and then Stoic and Hiccup have a scene together, where Stoic is like, "You motherfucker, I should have known that there was something going on." And Hiccup was trying to explain, like, "No, you don't understand. These are misunderstood animals. We could talk to them." And that's where he lets slip. They, they're they not even trying to hurt us. They have to do this because they're protecting themselves from a bigger dragon. And then Stoic is like, wait, come again. And Hiccup basically accidentally tells his dad, Toothless knows where the big dragon den is. So Stoic is like, okay, great. You stay right the fuck here. I'm taking your little kitty and we are going to find this big dragon's nest, which brings us to the third act. They have so brutally chained toothless to a ship and they have set sail to find the dragon nest which hiccup is like i cannot stress enough that is not a good idea uh, not a good idea hiccup is like we have to do something he rounds up astrid and the rest of his schoolmates and then they all in a matter of minutes uh get these captive dragons into fighting shape where they can fly ride these dragons meanwhile the rest of the Vikings, they're at the nest. They break down the walls. All the dragons take off. At first, it seems like a victory because it's like, oh, great, we got them. But Stoic knows better. And now we enter this big battle sequence with this huge dragon. Uh, we get the funny-looking dragons in the mix. There's a big battle. Toothless is freed by Hiccup. Um, I did <clears throat> cry a little bit yeah. when um, Toothless was at the bottom of the um oh. ocean. I'm not oh. proud to admit that I did cry. Oh but, but uh, yeah, it's it's so sad he died. I'm on it... I'm on a considerable amount of Tylenol, so uh I, yeah. I'm vulnerable. Um yeah. Hiccup tries to save him, can't do it, and that's when Stoic jumps in. That's when it got me. When Stoic Oh, oh when Stoic saves his son. And that's Which when you really a... see, yeah, then that's really where the heart of the film shines through. Yeah, that, and like, this, this he was just talking... wanted to protect his family, and he would do anything to protect his family. And this was a talking point in the documentary that they said, you know, we need Stoic to have a heroic moment. It's not enough that Stoic and Hiccup 
see eye to eye at the end of the movie. We need a moment where Stoic gets to be the good guy because he's kind of yes. been an antagonist the entire film. And this is his opportunity to do that. And it, it pays off very well. It's a beautiful yeah. moment. I kind of don't even want to talk about this beat for beat because it's just such an incredible it's sequence a, of it, events. It really is. It's such a good moment. It ties the film together so well. Everything I was saying about like earlier about not really seeing the humanity and stoic does a 180 kind of in this moment i wish you got a little more sense of like stoic want still stoic wanting to protect him in the beginning of the movie but i think it it ends up it comes out so nicely in this moment yeah. uh and yeah and that you know Hiccup did really did save the day. Like he sees that Hiccup was right and has a point and he respects his son on that level, which is what Hiccup wanted. But also we, yeah, as the audience, you get the understanding that he, he's just worried about his boy. Yeah. And his boy who's like, who he can tell is like sensitive and not a seven foot two giant killer. Well, also Um, very precious him because the mom is assumed to be dead at this point in the trilogy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, Technically speaking, Hiccup does kill a dragon in this yeah. film. And the biggest motherfucking dragon, dragon there is. you could ever think of. He kills the bad dragon, but he yeah. saves the good misunderstood dragons because he's just a misunderstood dragon himself. Yes. he Hiccup is like a cat person in a dog person world. Really is. Um, I also do... Uh, yeah, and then we get back, but Hiccup is uh, brutally injured in this fight. Yeah, so I want to talk about this because this was a, a big talking point in the documentary, and it's it's just it's incredible. So uh, there was talk about Toothless dying at the end of this film, um, and mainly that conversation was about this film needs to have real stakes, yeah, and there should be real consequences to these real actions. But they thought, dude, we can't kill Toothless. Like, that's kind of brutal. No, I so would then, boycott. No, oh my God, it'd be awful. Riots so, in the street. So that's when the idea that Hiccup is brutally injured entered the frame. So at first, they and they the, the original idea is that Hiccup loses a foot. They figured, like, that would be kind of an innocuous limb to lose. And there's already an establishment of, like, the Craig Ferguson Viking is missing two limbs. Also, um, and originally, it, it, it pairs well. What I love about that choice is it parallels uh, uh, toothless, toothless missing tail. Yes. They're both missing an appendage. Yeah. So... Uh, Originally, it was going to be played as a joke that he would wake up from this coma. He had this missing foot. He'd be like, oh, sweet. Like, this is cool. Vikings, brutal. Uh." Uh, But then they decided to take maybe the riskier choice, which is, well, why don't we play this moment sincerely? Like, he's sad. He's lost a foot. There's like a real moment of sincerity and, and, and something that really can resonate of like, wow, these are the real stakes of this world, this brutal universe. Um, It was a Spielberg suggestion, actually, that when Hiccup wakes up, Toothless is in the room next to him. So there's, and he described it as like, you know, Hiccup helps Toothless recover from his injury at the beginning of the film. And now here's Toothless to help Hiccup. 
So he's like an emotional it's, support animal. It's the sweetest. It's I mean, in a in a movie full of sweet moments, it is maybe the sweetest. Where he wakes up and it's just those two are just happy to see each other. He's a yes. little shocked that Toothless is in his room, but he's happy to see his buddy, and Toothless is just as happy to see him. And then the reveal comes, and Toothless, uh, wordless expression. The the way Toothless, um expresses himself without any words mm. is is so sweet and so beautiful but is very much like yeah i'm sorry i was waiting for you to find out i'm so, like it's just yeah. so sad and sweet and sympathetic uh, and in this documentary they actually have the footage of the first official test screening of the film and specifically there's a man there you know they're doing like feedback you know what stood out to you whatever and there's a man that says i really like that hiccup loses a foot like that was actually a really beautiful moment. Yeah. That was, and and they and they, they were like, "Well, raise your hands if you feel that way." And it was just overwhelmingly like, "Yeah, everybody loves that." I I yeah, I think it's good. It shows it's real stakes, and it's like in this world, people lose limbs. You know, we see it with Gobber. And on a representation note, um, isn't it so nice to see a disability treated with such sincerity and with love? Such sincer- and, yeah, exactly. And normal, and, and like a normality of like, you yeah, know, hey, this thing happens. He immediately gets up. All his friends who are like, "What's up?" and they go and 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 do and fly. Dra- like it, it was. I thought that was such a sweet moment. Toothless coming there and helping him try to like figure out how to walk. Um, yeah, it, it really such like a sweet. It's a heartbreaking moment. A kid lost a limb. But uh, it, it's it's just treated with such care and such tenderness that it, it and like he'll be okay because of the care and love he's shown to everybody. And when you remember that originally, that was pitched as like a gag. Oh, that would not have it. No. It wouldn't have it landed. I, it, something that is really admirable about this film across the board is that writing wise, they always seem to take. The more complex choice. Yeah, the the emotionally more, yeah, the emotionally more interesting choice. Yes, Um, the dynamic choice. Yeah, and I think that's why this story is told so well and dynamically. It's like all the emotional beats feel very true. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so well done. My question is, how long was Hiccup out for? Or did they just immediately go from like, we hate dragons to we've learned to live with them. Everyone has a dragon now. Well, I mean, I definitely think that big battle at the end where Toothless is given everything he's got. And uh, I think like with the kids already flying the dragons, like that yeah. probably I, did a yeah. lot for human dragon relations. Oh, I also I love uh, that society is just willing to change like that. We didn't have to do a whole thing. We just like immediately. Exactly. We're friends now. I well, like I that. also I for, I skipped this part, but um, I liked when Hiccup told, Sto- you know, Stoic says, those dragons kill hundreds of us and Hiccup goes, and we've killed thousands, thousands of, of them. them. Yeah. Yeah. S- say that. So say, true. Yeah. The people. Uh, yeah, no, but they, the, the filmmakers did refer to that as a coma. So I think like, I don't know, they gave them some kind of like Viking witch stuff or whatever. Like it, it doesn't feel like they're very political people, the Vikings. Um, but you know, knowing what we know about Vikings, you know, I, I feel like it would have taken a while, but they seem to be like right on pace with like, great society. We're, we're doing a 180 with these dragon guys. They're our friends now, which is great. I think that's how things should work. 
Yes, immediate uh, acceptance. Yes, we we did this. We're flying around. Everyone has a dra- everyone gets a dragon pal now. I want a dragon. Well, pal. I think when you tell people like, "Hey, if you're cool with the dragons, they might let you like fly on their back." Like, yeah, yeah hell less. yeah, this is my best friend. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll give them whatever they can eat. Half my fish. And I like that at the end of the movie, um, the narration that hiccup he calls the dragons their pets. Yeah, and instead of he pests, says we've got pets. They they change the S and the T, and that makes all the difference. From pests mm. to pets. <laughs> Very Isn't clever. Isn't that every pet? And I, I like the big goblet of fish they have in the center of town. I like the society where uh, dragons yes. get some fish, humans get to get some fish, too. Um, there's enough fish in the sea for everyone to but eat. Not eel. Not but not eel. Definitely not eel. Definitely not eel. Which uh, is fair. I like Smoked eel. Smoked eel? Smoked eel, no. I like eel and sushi, but I, I don't think they're... Well, I guess the way Toothless is eating it, it is sushi. Yeah. But, you know, not for everybody. I get that. Um, I do want to hear, because I... There, there is... I just want to talk about the comedy in this movie, and then uh, I do want to hear your top cutest moments. I, I laughed out loud a few times watching I, this film. Yeah. The way... There's one moment... I forget exactly what it... I think... Um, there's a word like I think it's when Astrid and Hiccup are talking in the valley after she's seen Toothless and Toothless runs to go get something in the background or something and he mm. he stands up on two feet and like yes. hobbles the yes. way he walks when he is on two feet I love it I love it so much his little hands very in the front funny. uh yeah with his little hands in the front and he's just like waddling around kind of wobbling very, yeah very cute and also so that like iconic nose pet scene uh fun fact on imdb apparently that pause was actually a lag in the animation but they just it works so well they kept it in it works really well yeah yeah they were like actually that's such a nice image and like works so well the hesitation uh, that is uh, a great and like there are i mean maybe this is the it's both the deacon's influence and it's also just truly the brilliance of these filmmakers like there are many images in yeah. this film that you I could have taken a screenshot and easily Perfect. like it tells the whole story of what the scene is about. Yeah. It's really a beautiful uh, God, moment. I love animation. I do too. I really I, love animation. I love little toothless. Um uh, my my top uh, he's got a couple of cutie moments for me that I want yeah, to Yeah, let's call talk out. about the you know, just as we wrap up, what are some cute moments? Cute moments. Uh one of my favorites is when he gives him the fish and he smiles at him. When he mm-hmm. tries to figure out a human smile. Yes. And he does that weird little like grumble. <laughs> love it. Um I, I mentioned this earlier, but I like when he's rolling around in the grass. Oh, very so cute. Very kitty-like. Very kitty-like. Very, yeah. Apparently, it was based off, like, dog-horse-cat combo. He has, like, all three traits. I think with, yeah, like, the nose pet, the horse, you know. You know what it is, really? It's the eyes and the pupils yeah, dilating it, and then going such slim for eyes. when. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I, I just love when a cat has those big old eyes. Yeah, the, the big eyes of a cat, but then, like, will play like a dog. Like, does the, like, butt wiggle and fetch like a dog. Yes. Uh, uh which I love. I love when they're like nap when after they do that like beautiful I think it's like his first joyride on Toothless and then they land on that island for sunset and all the little the the little dragons come up yes. and also snuggle. Yes. Uh adorable. Adorable moment. Uh, what a cute what a cute film. 
Yeah. And not just a cute film, also genuinely a beautiful film. Really, yeah, just like all around well done. Uh, yeah, great storytelling. And actually, is it crazy Beautiful, to say that yeah. like this film and this trilogy, I think is actually like highly underrated. I do too. I think because, yeah, I don't, I don't know why that is. I think it's well respected. Definitely. But yeah, I, I don't think it had like the press machine. I mean, it's DreamWorks. That's a pretty massive company, but I don't think it has like the machine of a Disney behind it where you're going to get like overrun with toys, which well, I think is for it, the best. It, it, yeah, it had the TV series. I mean, it definitely like is very. It's, it's a, it's a it's large spun its franchise, wheels, but like, yeah, it, it it didn't. Dragons didn't become like minions where they were. You couldn't escape them. Yeah, but which is interesting because this is like peak, right. well, beginning of the peak of Game of Thrones era. Yeah, um, yeah. It. I. I think it's for the best because I do think it lives in this world of like, yeah, these are really respected well done films but they're not something that anyone got uh sick of or like yeah, felt that is overly true. marketed to so I, I honestly in my humble opinion i think it's for the best i don't know if that like very yeah no it's it tasteful. probably doesn't it's, translate it's, monetarily that way but uh, well it's tasteful it's restrained and i just think it is like i like i've just yet to hear anybody be like oh yeah i, I don't like those movies like i yeah. again i saw the second one because my roommate had it on and I was like, you're watching this? And she was like, these are actually very good films. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's funny. When I told my boyfriend that we were doing this, he was like, you're doing How to Train Your Dragon? I'm like, yeah. He's like, he had that reaction that you just explained. That was like, what? Oh, yeah, but they are good. <laughs> yeah, I can't um, wait. I I'm excited to watch the second one again. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch this as a trilogy, as like a full story too. And I do, I will say a little preview. So I didn't watch the third one, but I do remember when it came out, everyone was like, why did they make Hiccup like absolutely hot? Like, why did they do that to that cute little boy in this movie that like his glow up is notable? I am excited to see that. I guess he's a he's a John Krasinski motherfucker, right? Like how he really like John Krasinski must <laughs> have been like we're, we're trying to get yeah, yeah. and he has that he, like he was the yeah. blueprint for like that kind of cute. I mean, it's two thousand eleven. That that is a yeah. two thousand eleven boy haircut, totally slash non haircut. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we were you know nerds were big then. Oh yeah, I am looking at the poster even too. Yeah, he gets like a very square jaw. I just, yeah, I just remember, especially when the third one came out, the internet reaction was like, um, I want to fuck Hiccup. Is that, is that horrible to say? Uh, not in this one, though. My God, no. No, no. He's a boy in this one. But. Alrighty. Good movies. We'll watch more of them and we'll talk about them on this very podcast. Uh, sh uh, shout out to Small Beans. Yep. And our patrons. Thank yep. you so much for your support. We've got a lot of wonderful shows on the network. I was actually listening to uh, Bewilderments and Scientifics um, not too long ago. And by not too long ago, I mean yesterday. I don't know why I had to put it in such a historical way. But uh, yeah, a lot of great shows. Check them out. Uh, make sure to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and other podcatchers if you're enjoying the content. We love a shout out. Um, you can always follow us on Twitter. I am at SK underscore Griffith. And I am at Bridget Tweets. That's three T's in the middle of that. Right and, in the uh, row. Yeah, stay tuned as we uh, enjoy more cute little kitty cat 
Toothless with How to Train Your Dragon 2 and 3 on deck. Thanks so much. Goodbye. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!